Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terrilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. What's up, you guys? Roger Jessup here with the Utah House Doctors. So you just bought your nice new house, and what happens when something goes wrong or something breaks? We have you covered. We have vetted several contractors, whether it be from a break in your sprinkler lines or your kid punched a hole in the wall and you just need a handyman. You have access to these people by following our page, and these are people that we know and trust. Hey everyone, this is Tara Lynn, and I would just like to give a personal thank you to everybody who has left us a review. They are so kind. I seriously get like teared up when I read them. Um, One of my most current favorites is from a mom. She says that our podcast came out about when her first baby was born and she'd listen to our episodes on every walk that she'd go on. And she felt like she had like her best friends walking with her. So I just want to let you guys know that um, we've had a lot of people say that we feel like they feel like we are their friends. And I want you guys to know that we think about you guys all the time as our listeners. And we, I totally feel like you're our friends as well. So I just want to thank you for leaving us a review and let you know it is so helpful for us and our podcast success when you do leave us a kind review. So Thank you. Um, if you are willing to leave us one, you just go to search Find the Magic on Apple Podcasts, and then you scroll to the bottom of the page and leave a review, and then you make sure you push send after you leave the review and give us a rating. Thank you so, so much, and hope you have a beautiful day. All right, everybody. I'm going to start us off with a high five, and that is to the Kids Are the Worst Instagram page. We were all laughing so hard about this this morning. <laughs> she has so many funny um, gifts and memes and whatever they're called and videos and all the things related to being a parent and having kids and how just ridiculous and hilarious it is <laughs> parenting really is just such a hilarious circus and it is if you are feeling a little burnout just go have a good laugh just scroll through that i am advocating mindless scrolling through a hilarious instagram page right now that's my high five can i just share the one that made me laugh i snorted guys <laughs> She said, remember in Mario Kart when you thought you were in first place, but then realized you were looking at the wrong screen and actually crashing into walls? <laughs> That's adulthood. <laughs> like, and we can all feel that. Like, it's, we can feel the feeling of when you realize you're crashing into the wall and you thought you were winning. <laughs> like, I can see it in my mind. Oh, it's anyway, so good. It's, it's, so funny. Funny. it's hysterical. Okay, mine is, I think it's probably a high five it's turned into one daylight savings i know that that's always like the bane of everyone's existence that has children especially babies and i feel like i usually like the fall one because you get an extra hour especially school-aged children i would just like to put a little asterisk there yeah you're probably right i I haven't even gotten there it's when they have to get up and go to school that you're like 
<laughs> okay, that's okay, that continue. is a good point. Okay, Didn't yeah, yeah. I interrupted you because I always feel like people say it about sleeping in. Okay, yeah, because <laughs> I feel like the fall one. I usually always have liked that one because everybody gets an extra hour. But with a kid, they just wake up when they're gonna wake up normally, so yeah. it doesn't really make a difference for me. Yeah. Like I'm like. Why did everybody... I don't know. Like, I'm like, this isn't actually as good. But the spring one actually has been okay. And I'm, like, trying to think... I haven't really thought through why it's been better. But, again, I think just because he's just... My baby's just still on the same schedule. That for me, like, I'm changing a little bit when I go to bed. So then, therefore... Like, yesterday... This is weird. I don't know if it's because of daylight savings, but I think I'm chalking it up to that. But who knows? He slept in until 11. That is like never oh, happens. My. I know. I'm not totally sure. And I kept you checking like keep him. You looking at his camera? Like he, yeah. he's rolled over. He has moved. Like he is still like moving. But I'm like, whoa. And I'm kind of hoping that happens today too because then it would be nice to be able to go back from recording. And if he still has like another four hours, I would love that. But anyway, I'm so I think daylight savings has been actually kind of a high five for yeah. me. Yeah. I'm not totally sure like how it's happening, but some magic of like spring is going on. And, yes. And sleep has actually been pretty good for us. Yeah. So yeah, daylight savings. My kids are sleeping in at this time too, but if you have to wake them up for school, then yeah, that, that just sounds, is a downer. Yeah, I've never really cared until my kids started going to school and then I like last year, I think I remember actually shaking my fist in the air and cursing whoever invented daylight savings. <laughs> it is the worst because I, I, I think about it all the not. time. Because I know that it was yeah, I don't really like made it. for farmers. I could be totally like putting my foot in my mouth right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Like, don't listen to me anyway. <laughs> no, I but, think it was. But then I'm like, which is great for people who are farmers. But then for the rest of us, I'm like, can we just like stay on the same clock? I don't yeah. know. I don't it's know. True. I have a hard all, time. Yeah, and all kids are different. It's, it was my five-year-old. He was getting into kindergarten. I mean, he was literally, like, sleeping in his bed, sleeping on the kitchen chair as I dressed him, sleeping as I, like, put food in his oh, mouth. Like, I mean, so poor tired. little guy. <laughs> and did you guys know that you know how there's more heart attacks on Mondays than any other day? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of sad because it shows what people feel about their jobs. But I learned in taking an EMT class that, so I hope this is correct, but actually after this daylight savings, this Monday is the highest of the whole year. Well, and we actually went the one that in just the, passed. Mm-hmm. the because people are missing sleep. Thing. Yeah, he talked about that. or no, sorry. I'm thinking about a sleep podcast, but yeah, he talked about that. The like 1 hour less of sleep in general, there's more heart attacks, there's more car accidents, all of that stuff. Oh. Which is kind of crazy. Huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, that's freaky. Oh yeah, and car wrecks. Yeah, that's the thing too. Right after daylight savings when people just missed an hour of sleep. Okay, excellent. Well, my <laughs> on that note, <laughs> I hope you guys all survived last Monday. And if you're here, good. <laughs> congratulations. You've made it. You've made it past the spring daylight savings. See you on the fall one. <laughs> no, the fall one's great. I know, the fall one's good because you get an extra hour. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> now we get summer. <laughs> I love it. Okay, and we're moving to spring, so things are looking up. Things are... <laughs> we passed over the worst of things. Okay, so mine is a high five, and it is that I registered my oldest for junior high last week, Aww. and it was so fun. We had all these great conversations about, like, my mom was really big into... We had a direction, even at that age, like, she'd have me job, sh- job shadow people... And have a direction where we're going so academically, like I was really motivated because I thought I knew what I wanted to be, which I obviously changed. I wanted to be a doctor. I ended up an English professor. So, you know, I switched it up there. (laughs) But but she was really good at helping me have the direction. And so I was telling my daughter, we were getting pumped because I was like, having the direction is a fun way to pull. Like it motivates. But just, you know, you can change direction at any time. Like 
I just want you to start thinking about what you're wanting and how, how can I help support you in that? Like, do you want to see what certain jobs are like? You know, should we meet with a, we met with a school counselor to make sure it was like aligning with what she wanted. And anyway, so I'm like feeling all amped. Like, this is so fun to have her growing up and listen to her, to hear her say what she was interested in and the things that drive her and stuff. And then guys, oh, it, this, is the, this is where the high five comes in is we were at the junior high that I went to as a kid. So we're going to the same junior high and my husband went there too. And so after we met with the counselor, I was like, do you want me to show you around? And guys, she held my hand as we walked around this oh, junior high. And you could tell she was kind of like, like nervous about being there. Like, you know, she could tell she was like, whoa, this is a big school compared to her little elementary. And so she was like squeezing my hand kind of like a lot and as we like walked through the comments and there were kids in the common room like I I almost started crying because I was like you're not gonna do this next year I mean of course you know yeah. which is fine but it was just so sweet that she still and she like thought that what I was saying was helpful like she was asking questions <laughs> oh. like wait so where do you go into the locker room from the gym wait like she was like interested in thinking that what I had to offer was cool <laughs> And it just was so tender and so sweet and made me, like, that, like, sweet sorrow of, like, you're growing up and this is so sweet and I love it. And I just, like, basked in every second of it. And I came home and got teary-eyed about it because I was oh, like, she that. held my hand that in the junior high. Tender. I love that. Anyway, <laughs> it made me really happy. So my high five goes to my oldest daughter for still holding my hand. And Tara and I were talking about how junior high is such a hard... Looking back, I thought junior high was fine. Or, or when I was in junior high, I thought it was fine. But looking back, I think it is a hard time. Oh, it was oh, it's so terrible. It's good to and have yeah, that I liked it when her. I I thought I liked it when I was there. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I left and was like, that was the worst thing ever. It's, it's a weird time so for everybody. Never let me go back. I actually felt those feelings as I walked through the school. I was yeah. like, I'm feeling a little bit of dis, uh, discomfort here. Because yeah. for our listeners... Yeah. Uh, her daughter is actually going to the same junior high. Yes, yes. we yeah. went to, so that's All why it's like yeah. we were. You were actually back. And in the, the same smells junior the high. same, and yeah. oh, isn't it weird how smells bring it back? Yeah, smells are like huge. For the me. elementary because they they go to the same elementary that I went to, and it still smells the same. Yeah, which so is funny. moderately concerning. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, questionable. Really. <laughs> All right, so we are diving into the book, The Child Whisperer, today, which is a fantastic book about identifying your child's um, energy type and kind of getting a little more insight into their personality. And um, Terilyn has read this book a few times and has always really, really loved it. And so kind of why we wanted to read it and review it for you guys is that I feel like it really brings an awareness of who our kids are and helps us realize that there's no one way to parent like we really do have to kind of see our kids and adapt to them and um be able to honor their true nature and i i just love that idea that if we can embrace our kids for for who they are they will come out the other end more confident because we've all experienced that where our our true nature has been squashed if you haven't fantastic but I think most people have felt that they were flawed in some way because of their true nature and I think it's so powerful if we can see our kids personality fully and I'm not saying that this book is the end all to kids personalities but I think it gives a really Mm -hmm. great perspective of our child's energy type and 
maybe how they move throughout the world and how we can honor that. And I think in that honoring in return, we'll have a more cooperative child and a more connected relationship. So that was our premise for. Yeah, exactly. Um, Carol Tuttle, the author, she definitely talks about how like we parent sometimes maybe according to what our true nature might be mm-hmm. and we kind of assume that like maybe most kids might be this way and then as they get older they kind of change in this way but I think the cool thing is is that yeah if we can see each of our children with like as their true nature and be able to embrace that energy um yeah it just is going to be able to help them to be more confident and really like be true to themselves and in that way like we're able to kind of like take away maybe some of the expectations that really aren't needed for them as mm-hmm. children, babies, teenagers, all of that stuff. So I love it because it's like, it's really is just coming to know your child and then embracing that energy and like working with it mm-hmm. rather than trying to maybe squash or like change certain things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The reason why I have, this was my third time reading this book and the reason why I have found value in it every time for me, uh, we're going to go through each four energy types which are ways to help you understand yourself and your kids. But for me, as equally as valuable as understanding those types is the philosophy that Felicia and Caitlin just did a wonderful job at explaining. And that is that when we start to work with our nature, instead of trying to force ourselves and our children to be somebody that we're not, um, we can do, first of all, live lives that are much more satisfying. And honestly, I think make the world a better place. I think when we're living true to our nature, and we're taking our strengths and really aligning them with our values. Because as I say that, I don't want anybody to in, like interpret that as, well, just be yourself. And even if that means you think you're a terrible person, then mm. just, I think you, it's important to align it with your values and use your gifts for the highest good. But when you do that, um, she uses the example, and we're going to share these examples in nature, but just like you're not going to take a river and try to, change it's changing a course of a river is difficult if I'm not like a you know just me as a person um but just witnessing the river and letting it do its thing rivers are really powerful and they can do a lot but trying to change its nature when we're working with humans is can not only be not helpful but also very damaging Mm -hmm. and I really like Carol's experience because she's worked a lot with one-on-one clients And she said, I mean, most of the work that she does is working with adults who, as children, got the message that their very nature was wrong, Mm -hmm. right? And they have to learn how to actually embrace who they are because when you can actually do that, then you can actually live to your fullest potential Mm -hmm. instead of trying to force yourself into somebody that you're not. And I've seen in my, like, in people that I know and love, I've seen two situations where I think parents really unintentionally do this. And that is in one situation, if you feel like your nature is best, you know, maybe you're a really driven person and you have a kid who comes into your family who you're like, wow, you are so laid back and it's driving me wild. Why aren't you motivated like I'm motivated? Then it's really easy, easy to unintentionally give your child the message that the way you are is wrong and the way I am is best. But I've also seen it the opposite mm-hmm. way. I've seen it when parents despise their own nature so much and they admire, so I'm going to use the same example to help you see it. So say, for example, maybe the parents really laid back, and but they admire driven people, and they wish they could motivate themselves like, you know, their motivated friends. And so their child is the same as them, mm-hmm. very relaxed, <clears throat> laid back, and the parent, in an effort to make them not be like themselves, also unintentionally gives the same message of how you are is, is wrong. wrong. Yeah. And that's 
guys, this is like the basis of unconditional love versus shame. I mean, sh the basis of shame is that not that I do wrong things because we all do wrong things and we feel guilt and we hopefully fix those things when we do things that are wrong. But the basis of shame is that I am wrong. And that, guys, is never helpful. It's never helpful. Shame never liberates people and never even inspires change. It just makes us feel bad and gets us stuck. So I love this whole concept because it's really, for me, one of the, it's a great antidote to parenting with shame, right? Yeah, right. I also think as you read this book, identifying your own nature, your spouse or your partner, your parents, any, I don't think this is, even though it is um, directed towards parenting kids, I have found just as much value in knowing the types of my closest people as as I have in, in knowing my kids' types um, and being able to see people more clearly. And yeah, giving, being grateful and honoring that in their personality instead of being frustrated or yeah. annoyed because it's not my type. Right. Seeing it as a weakness. Yeah. I love, she says one of the things that she says that I love, and she says it in every single one of the types, but she says, right now we are all every age that we have ever been. And if we have unmet emotional needs, we carry them with us into the next stage of our lives. And so I think what she says is no matter what age your child is or if it's your spouse, you know, obviously they're an adult. It doesn't really matter what age you are. Like you can still, number one, you can meet your unmet needs that maybe you didn't get as a child. Like if you felt like maybe your nature was squashed and you weren't enough or maybe you were too much, like maybe you were given these messages. The cool thing is, is that as we kind of learn what our true natures are or maybe what those around us are. doesn't matter if you have a teenager or a baby. Like we can know these things about ourselves and about our, and about our people and really learn to like embrace them and not see them as flaws. And I love that, that it's like we can meet also our own mm -hmm. unmet inner mm -hmm. emotional needs. Totally. So we're going to break down um, quickly just an overview of the types then we're going to dive into them as you listen to this remember that your child is and you and anyone you know is going to be their own unique combination of all the types but there's going to be one that is more clear that they're going to lead with or that's more dominant um and carol tuttle says that it will be the most consistent throughout your life mm -hmm. your dominant type so for, there's four types um, type one, their energy is upward and light. So if we're thinking of, um, if we're using the example of water, like the river, a type one is going to be like a geyser. So shooting upward, upward movement, bouncy, carefree, random. Um, they're the kids that are going to be like, oh, they're so fun and they're so cute and they're so bubbly and they're more social and unstructured. So that's the energy of type mm -hmm. one. And the primary way they relate to the world is socially. Mm -hmm. Type two is going to be a smooth, steady, flowing um, energy. So if you think of like a traditional flowing, steady river, um, they're more calm, sensitive, gentle. They're the, the kids that really want to be comfortable. And if you think of, I, I see type twos present themselves pretty clearly in babies because they're the babies that sleep easily they're just kind of like in their bouncer and will just like relax um and a lot more calm and they relate to the world through emotion type three is a rushing river energy so they're forward they're physical they're pushing they're 
more fast and determined and direct. Um, and they connect or relate to the world through their physical energy. And type four is, if we're looking at the water analogy, like a still lake. Um, they're precise, intellectual, and like to perfect. So I think of the kids who are like lining up their cars and like color coding them in their little garage. It's like more different than the um, calm of the type two. They are the lower energy, but I picture them more leading with their brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Carol totally. She calls them. She uses the term the more serious child. Like right. they're just like a little bit more. And sometimes I think people even might use, like, oh, they're like an old soul or something like that. But it's just yeah, like they they might just see the world in a more serious way, and they kind of demonstrate that even at an early age. Mm-hmm. And they can be particular mm-hmm. and perfecting. I like it because she actually uses the word. She said the word perfectionist does not serve anybody. In fact, it, it hurts people. However, perfecting, type fours have the gift of being able to see things and know how to perfect them. Mm-hmm. And so when they can harness that away from necessarily just being critical, but actually, this is my gift, I can see things and perfect them, it's reframing it and it's actually conserve them. Yeah, so. that's fantastic gift. All right, we're going to dive into type one. Okay, so type ones are the people who, I mean, they're, the, they're just so bubbly, I can picture so that's really cool. The cool thing about energy typing is it isn't just a personality thing because she says, especially as we get older, um, we can kind of morph our personalities to fit other people's expectations. However, we can't change our, the way we, like our face is shaped. Well, I guess you can also change that as you get older as well. <laughs> but, but let's talk about kids. They are just, their faces are how they are. And oftentimes kids also, their personalities They're are just how they are. So, yeah. so it's really fun when we talk about kids because they haven't had a whole lifetime of trying to change themselves. Um, but type ones are sometimes their their features can be round, like round eyes, round circles on their cheeks, even sometimes a cute round button nose. And again, these are just features that you might see in your child or yourself. But just because you have some of these types, some of these um, features, it doesn't mean because we have all of the yeah. types in us. You're just going to have one dominant type. It's kind of like the overall look. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm picturing, I know this one little girl who is a very clear type one. And I mean, she's like five and she just like literally like she walks into a room bouncing big round eyes that always look like they're really open. Like the sparkly eyes. uh Yeah. Yeah. And just, you can't help it, but just like, yeah, like her personality is just sparkling. Right. Uh So sometimes you'll hear words like the life of the party or they're a ham or whatever, but like they just are really engaging and fun. And this kind of movement, that, that's the gift of it, is that it's so, it's energizing. And it's when you're light. around somebody who's a type one, you do feel lighter and just joyful and it's so fun. Um, but along with this nature, you have, because they are light and airy and kind of bouncy, they can, in school that can be problematic because they might have a hard time focusing on one thing because their brain naturally goes from one thing to the next very quickly. Um, they attach and detach from things quickly so, you know, they'll love something and then walk away. Or if somebody takes random. their toy, yeah, yeah, there's random. So it's kind of nice in, like, a group setting because oftentimes if somebody takes a type 1's toy, that type 1 will easily just go find a different toy, right? They're not going to get stuck, like, on that toy as much, right? So those are all 
again, they're, they're really fun things. And then, but when it comes to like sticking with things that might be a little harder for them. Right. Yeah. So she said as adults, a lot of type ones end up being like, they frustrate themselves because they can't like stick with a long project. Like their, for example, their type three sister. And so it's about reframing and finding what works for you and what motivates you. And maybe it's, you give yourself a few things to work on at once so you can go from activity to activity, maybe a little more than, especially a type four who could really focus in for like hours and hours on the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's not a bit, it's not saying that understanding who you are makes so that you can't do things, right? It's just simply understanding doing it this way isn't working for me. How can I work with my own nature to make this happen? So all of us can accomplish, I believe, all of us can accomplish whatever we want. It's just finding a way to work with our own natures to make that happen. And it helps us, it helps us honestly, I think, look at ourselves with curiosity of, like when we talked about the four tendencies, which we'll link that episode about what motivates you. Instead of feeling guilty that you need somebody to help you commit to going to the gym, embrace it. Like, right. this is what works for me. I'm an obliger. I need, well, I'm not an obliger, but if I were. <laughs> You know, like I need that mm-hmm. and just use it. It's mm-hmm. what works. So this yeah. is all about finding what works. So so with our kids, so again, we're kind of talking about ourselves and our kids here. But with our kids, if you have a type one child, understanding that for them, folding their clothes perfectly and color coordinating in the drawer like you like really is going to be hard for them. And you might end up having a power struggle that lasts 18 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could. I mean, Carol Total gives the example of she's seen type ones be really helpful I mean, really successful with you give them a bin and they're all they have to do is get the clothes in in the bin that they put away or and then in it's the a drawer. Spontaneous random yeah. like, what am I gonna wear today? But they can open the drawer yeah. and mm-hmm. open it up. And Carol, in fact, oh, I love I actually think I heard her say this on a podcast. I don't think it's in her book. But she said it's cute because she's really into helping us. Once we know our own natures, we can actually like dress our own natures as well. And the type one colors are bright and energetic colors, type ones tend to gravitate towards those. And when you see a type one wearing those colors, it fits. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever seen somebody wear a really bright color and it almost seems like it clashes with them? Well, It's yeah. because it doesn't go with their energy type. Like, they're, like, clashing with themselves. Yeah. Well, like, Sunny is a type one, my three-year-old. He just turned three. And I'm not an, a bright color person. So Cohen had, like, neon day at his school one time. And I literally had to call Terrell and be like, who has neon clothes? <laughs> and I was like, here, a selection. <laughs> she had, like, a bunch. So, but Sunny, so I've noticed, like, from a baby, putting him in, like, yellow or even more, like, vibrant reds, like, match him, which goes against me. But when I put it on him, I'm just like, oh, it, like, goes with his mm-hmm. energy. It does. So. And in yellow. I can picture him in yellow, actually, yeah, right now. Yeah. Yeah. She actually has a little sir that has a sun on it. And it's, yeah. it, like, is him. Yeah, so totally. Yeah. So, and she was saying that it's cute because, so a lot of parents of type ones have figured this out and just say, okay, your job is literally just to get the clothes in the drawer, but I'm not going to make you color coordinate them and have them perfectly folded. Mm-hmm. And she said on a type one, a little bit wrinkly clothes, like it fits. Oh, yeah, you know what true. I mean? Like it doesn't clash with them at mm-hmm. all. So it's endearing. Like, yeah. and honestly, and with it, fabric now, it's like wrinkles aren't them in the drawer. Yeah. So. 
And I feel like it becomes, because one of the things that it's really important for them is for things to be light, happy, and fun. And like for their parents to be able to be that with them. And so to that point, that's a great example of it then becomes a game rather than like, oh no, now I have to do a job. Like for them looking at like a chore is like, oh, something that I have to get done, which we're going to talk about some of the other types might do really well with like, ooh, okay, this is something I can get done and like I can do this. But like for them, turning maybe their chores into a game could be really helpful for them because it's keeping things light mm-hmm. and fun and happy. Yeah, totally. and that's that like can be throwing a good way to work in, with them. Yeah, throwing into a basket that's a fun game. Yeah, folding and color coordinating is not a fun game. <laughs> right. Yeah. So something that I love just with the type one too is that I think as kids and babies it totally fits because that's kind of what we almost picture a kid and baby to be is light and fun and just playful. But then I think as they get older, that energy and that type isn't always like as widely accepted like as you come into school as you become a teenager as you become an adult that like light airy funness sometimes is like it can be seen as attention deficit it can be seen as flighty they are the most likely to be labeled add yeah this personality yeah so i think it's it's good to be careful of that those are some (laughs) negative labels that can that aren't honoring of a type one and it's Mm -hmm. not helpful for them even though they can be seen that way so i think being able to see them for those beautiful strengths that they have rather than being like, oh, like you're just like mischievous or you're messy or you, mm-hmm. you're you irresponsible. Like not that's like not honoring of what a right. type one could be. And as, as you're becoming aware, if you think you have a type one child, you can um, also be aware of how they relate to the world is through social. So you might have a baby that wants to connect with you all the time. I have one right now. Wes, she is definitely so far, I think, a type one in all the ways. And if you guys have seen very round. If you've seen a picture picture of Wes, I have actually used her for the example. I've never seen more round eyes or face or anything. Or jeans. Everything about her. And she literally, guys, it's the cutest thing. When somebody walks into a room, she, I mean, she looks like she's trying to open her eyes like so wide. I mean, you can see the whites around her iris. And she just leans forward and follows people. Yeah, like everywhere. Like, yeah, like, she is so engaged. She's, like, a really good... Very mo- social. ...model baby of what a type 1 yeah, baby yeah. would be. I'll post a little video. When she sees someone walk into the room and she's in her high chair, it's that exact up energy. She moves her arms and legs at the same time, almost like she's flapping like a bird. And yeah. her whole body just... Uh, uh. Yeah. <laughs> she's, like, flying like she's going to yeah. fly away. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's cute. It's so cute. So being aware that they are you know, socially minded, they're sensitive to your happiness. So something you can do to better engage with your type one is to really be aware of if you're putting your happiness or, you know, like joy or or fun in a certain situation on them can be like too heavy for type ones Mm -hmm. because they take it on really strong. Um, so, So as we're looking, we've talked about kind of how to identify this type, how uh, the challenges they can have. So if they're overstructured or they're having to sit still, that can be hard for them. So school, following through with stuff. So we can we can teach them and how we can help them is by honoring that energy and you know turning things into more of a surprise, being more random with them. The beautiful thing about a type one is that they're optimistic, they're high energy, and we all need that. Like I, I'm a type three. My two older kids are other things we'll talk about. And I love, 
so Sunny is a type one, my third, and his just like playful energy brings so much to our family. So I think if you can see that in your kids and honor it, that is, that is huge instead of trying to squash it. So ways you can squash a type one's energy are, you need to grow up, stop being so silly, you make everything a game, um, get to work, like be more, you know, get it together, be more responsible. Those all would be squashing of, of the type one's energy. Mm-hmm. And you might say, again, I can hear you guys saying, so what about chores? What about teaching them to be responsible? And again, you can still have the same accomplishment, just know what works. So mm-hmm. a type one can still do just as many chores as their siblings who are different types. But for them, pushing them or maybe even racing might work because it's like a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but like really coming down hard with them with a hammer isn't going to work. In fact, I've noticed that with type ones, if you push them like that, for me, it reminds me of like when you're trying to push water and it just goes over the thing you're pushing with. Like it, it's just like a go over it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they don't, they don't put, like you can't push them. Yep. So how can you make it light? Like you still have to do these five chores, but here's some options to make it light and we're going to turn on some fun music. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I think, I mean, my secondary type is type one, so this makes sense to me. <laughs> Let's jam some music, but you know, but... I'm just saying, so don't give up on teaching them how to accomplish things, but yeah. just know that it might not look the same. If you're not a type one, it's not going to look the same way yours looks, and mm-hmm. they're not going to do it the same way as their siblings who are different. Right. So just what can you do to utilize their nature? And, and work with it. And they can make it fun for everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that's the gift of a type one is they make every, they can, their energy is so beautiful mm-hmm. and so overflowing that this is my own personal opinion about type ones. I don't know if she says this specifically, but I feel like type one energy is this like overflowing energy. Mm-hmm. So it really blesses everybody around them. Like it's just this light, like you bring a type one to a group, to a game and everybody's going to have more fun, mm-hmm. right? Like you all just, you laugh harder. Yeah. Like it's just this bubbling kind of overflowing energy that they share so generously with everybody else. So let's work with that energy instead of like shaming it out of them. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Another thing, just before we move on to the next one, something that I like that you said, Felicia, with Sunny, is that something that can be, like, not always great for a type 1 is that they don't always get taken seriously. And I liked how you mentioned this, that it's, like, because they are so fun and light. So that is something that we can do, is that also recognize that sometimes they do, like, they do want to be taken seriously. They don't always want to be seen as, even though that is something that they're known for, is being happy and light. Like, knowing when to, like, actually really listen and show them that you are taking them seriously is important to them. Mm -hmm. Which with kids is hard because when Sunny talks, you can't help but think, this (laughs) is the cutest thing I've ever seen. Even when they're mad. Exactly. Like, I'm having a hard time taking you seriously because you're just so cute. (laughs) Right. But they do, like, want to be validated that, like, wait, no, I'm really feeling something here. Like, take me seriously for a minute. Yeah, like, I noticed for a long time, um, because Cohen's, you know, he's more of a push energy, and Lenny will get a little more emotional with his request kind of tantrumy and and so when Sunny would you know he's he's more social so he's sensitive you know to all of us being happy so when he's requesting something when he's saying something that he wants it was in more of a you know like light airy like type way and his little voice and it was so cute to me that I I would almost find myself like laughing or smiling and after reading this book, I could see in him that he actually is 
he's requesting in a serious way, I'm just not taking him seriously yeah. because his energy is yeah. a different type. And so I find myself I like having to, you know, like get it together, turn my face serious. Like, even though you sound like a baby Mickey Mouse and it's adorable, I'm going to get it together and take you seriously about the red train. Mm-hmm. So being aware of that with type one, I think is... It has been a real hack for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And with adults, <clears throat> type 1s, Carol Tuttle says, sometimes it's frustrating specifically for women who are type 1s. They get tired of everybody just telling them they're so cute all the right. time and nobody's right. taking them seriously. Mm-hmm. So be, you know, everybody I'm has valid that. feelings that they want to sometimes just be like, no, I'm, this is, like, this is serious. This is a big deal to me. Yeah. So stop telling me that I'm cute. Right. <laughs> so... So, moving on to a type two, um, their energy, as we mentioned, their connection to the world is emotional. It's more subtle flowing energy. Think of like a slow flowing river. With curves. Like it's all Mm -hmm. about like curves, Curves. not sharp angles or straight ahead. Just Mm -hmm. meandering. Yep. (laughs) Yep. And their main need is to have their primary feelings honored and um, for everyone in the family to feel like loved and connected. And so some of the things like as babies, they're sometimes they're like really easy. They can be easy babies. Like they sleep well, they're kind of quiet. And this is kind of like a common theme with them as babies and even into later in their lives. They can sometimes be a little bit overlooked because they are just kind of like a little bit calmer. They don't, their energy doesn't like shout out for any sort of like attention sometimes. And so that can be something they can be like a peacemaker in their family. Um, but because they are so sensitive to other people's emotions and their own, they can be worn out by, by emotional needs of others around them. And they can kind of be burdened down by that, um, by their own, as well as kind of like others. If they feel like there's like a lot of emotion, they're very sensitive to that. And with that sensitivity as babies, so yes, they can be very calm, but they're also the most sensitive of all babies to comfort level. So if you have like a scratchy blanket or their toe is being smashed by their sock or mm-hmm. or maybe they have a dirty diaper that might not come across as a calm baby because they're just a lot more sensitive so to the comfort level so mm-hmm. you might have a baby here like well I don't I think they're a type 2 but they're also like really sensitive to things and also sensitive to foods mm-hmm. that's another common thing with um, that type and their facial features have a tendency to flow downward so like eyebrows maybe slightly down the edges of the eyes perhaps slightly down and curves soft features rarely yeah blended features instead of like really you know angular less angles more like smooth flow and she said sometimes they can be the kids who almost i don't like the word jowls (laughs) yeah i don't either but like lenny i love his face and he's very like his eyes turned down he's a little more like doe-eyed and then she uses the word jowls but like their cheeks kind of settle into their like Mm -hmm. jawline and i've Mm -hmm. never noticed that but it's funny how you think all your kids kind of look alike mm-hmm. because they're all in the same family. But I do notice this, like, his cheeks are really soft and, like, kind of flow downwards and, like, settle at the bottom. And that's all type two. Like, downward, blended, really soft. They're also the babies who are will often crawl later and walk later and kind of are more fluid, maybe drag their feet when they walk. And so it's that kind of calm, flowing, soft, steady energy that they'll have. Mm-hmm. Something that I thought was kind of interesting, because I feel like I'm a type 2. And, and Caitlin's face is type 2. Yeah. If you've seen a picture of Caitlin, she's a really good example of yeah. type 2 features. Yeah, like my, yeah, everything, there's like some a sloping downward. And it's, again, like the overall look. Um, 
Even, they even talk about like a bump in your nose. There's like a oh. slight bump. That's like something, again, it's like that curve, it's a curve. thing. Mm-hmm. I have it too. Um, and so something kind of interesting too is that even like their skin can be more sensitive and that is totally, like my skin ever since I was little, like I don't even use anything besides coconut oil on my skin. Like if I have ever tried a new product, it, it like it like hurts my skin. So I just don't mm-hmm. use it. And um, I have to be like really careful about what I put on my skin. And and that's been since I was a kid. Like I think I had eczema when I was a little kid. So and it's your kind of feet were. I'm just uh-huh. remembering this now. You like, have, like your feet, feet would crack all the time because of eczema. Yeah. And you'd get hives all the time. Yep. I forgot about all this. Yeah. This very moment. So right. it's kind of interesting because she uses that as an example of like they like even those things can be because um, it's not to say that like you could be another type and you might have some you know of course but that can be a thing of a type two is even just like they are just more sensitive to their world around them and that can that can be manifested even in sensitive skin, which I think is kind of interesting. And some positive things, like with them, they can be more cuddly. Um, they definitely feel for others. They're very empathetic. They're loving. Um, they Because like they can be soothing and subdued and sweet, like a lot of times these kids are described as just sweet little children. Um, but some negative labels that they can get are like maybe they're a crybaby because they might – maybe cry more than, like, instead of maybe some of your other kids, they might act out and maybe become angry at certain things. These ones might show, like, if they're not kind of getting their needs met, they might show it in more of, they might just be more emotional. And you might be like, oh my gosh, why are you, like, crying about this again or whining about this? But that's kind of how they are demonstrating it. They can also be known as, like, shy, timid. And these those are kind of some things that maybe are not honoring of a type two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you want to avoid those labels. Yeah, they're not honoring. The word tenderhearted is one of the adjectives, the positive adjectives you can use to describe a type two. And I am, my primary type is type two and my secondary type is type one. But my daughter is, my second daughter is like so type two. Like yes. every, I mean, cause you know, we're all a combination and I feel like some of us are more, spread throughout again we all have our primary type but she is like i mean almost everything she said about <laughs> type two was like oh my word both me and my husband i had him read it too and we were like oh my she is i mean tender-hearted since she was even as a baby guys i literally i mean all babies i call them little giger counters they can like measure emotion in people mm-hmm. you know like if as a mom you're all worked up your baby gets like a they start spitting up on you. Like, it's like they're very connected (laughs) to emotions anyways as babies. But she is a baby. I mean, of all my babies, she literally, like, I could feel myself if I was getting nervous. I mean, it was like an instant reaction in her. Like, she was so sensitive to my energy from the very, very beginning as a tiny, tiny baby. And so then as she's gotten bigger, I've noticed now it actually comes across as, and again, that's why this knowledge is so helpful, guys, because I had just reread this book for the third time, and it really helped me break through with her. So she was, I found that sometimes she'll be like, I mean, she's pouting, so you can tell something's wrong, and I'll say, what's wrong? And she'll say, nothing, 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 like I don't want to talk about it. And after reading this book, (laughs) she said, Carol Tuttle says that a lot of times type twos, because they care so much about everybody being content like that's like their first priority in a group especially in a family setting where they care about everybody in the family and they just want everybody to be comfortable they want to make peace and so they're so uncomfortable when other people are distraught that sometimes they view sharing their own emotions as I don't want to make you uncomfortable so I'm not going to share my emotions Mm -hmm. and so I sat her down and I said one of your gifts is that you are tender-hearted and you can feel other people's emotions 
and you've been able to do that since you were a baby. But I want you to know that if you're feeling a negative emotion, sharing it with me, like I'm the parent, so your job isn't to make me happy or to make me comfortable. Your voice is really important and I wanna hear what you feel all the time, even if it's a really hard feeling or even if it's about me and you're unhappy with something that I did, I want you to know that my your job as a kid is to be yourself and I'm gonna love you and honor who you are and your feelings and your voice. My job as a parent is to hear you and see you, but your job as a kid is not to make me mm-hmm. happy. Like mm-hmm. you're off the hook. You're not responsible for my emotions at all. And it was so cute because then she she totally opened up and she cried for like a half an hour about, you know, I'm nervous about this thing at school, this test, and and I'm sad about this, that our kittens are leaving. And like she had like a whole list of things that she wanted, that was helpful for her to talk about and cry about. And it was it was like magical to be able to explain to her that this is a gift that we can use as a gift, but I want you to know that because of that, I feel like I, I want you to know that your voice is really, really important and your emotions are important and that you don't have to live your life squashing down your own emotions to make other people comfortable. I mean, that's an important lesson to learn. I mean, how many adults do you know who do that, right? Yeah, right. I mean, I find myself sometimes do, wanting to do that as an adult because I am also very uncomfortable when other people are in contention, like having contention or unhappy with me. Like I, I really have a hard time with that. And so, I mean, think about if as a child, everybody was told that their voice mattered and that their emotions were valid and they don't have to squash down their emotions for other people. I mean, I think we all need that message, but type twos really need that message a lot. Mm -hmm. So it's really, anyway, so that an example of understanding this nature really helped me in my parenting Mm -hmm. with my sweet, sensitive, so tender hearted little girl. Yeah. Cause they can be burdened by that, that emotional yeah. weight of other people and themselves. Totally. And you can see it. Like when we ski, you can see, I, I was like laughing the day. You can see my kids types. My oldest is like driven, like going through the, going off jumps, but really like making sure she's doing the right thing that her coach has taught her. You know what I mean? Like doing the right technique. You guys can't see my hand, but I'm showing you <laughs> the right technique. My second daughter, this type two, is the entire time in the middle, not the beginning or at the end, and she is noting where everybody else is. She's like, he's in the trees, she just crashed. Mm-hmm. Like, she's keeping track of where everybody is, even though, again, I've told her, like, I'm the parent, I can keep track of where everybody I is. I can do this. <laughs> but to her, that's part of her nature, is like knowing where everybody is. And she's on the run, and she's a good skier too, but she's just on the run doing her smooth, Mm -hmm. curving (laughs) turns, and she has her little sensors out. Where is everybody? Is somebody hurt? Kind of feeling for what? Even on her little ski team, like somebody got hurt and the coach was already ahead, but Savannah noticed that the kid fell and got hurt and was the one to help him out of the snow. Like, Mm -hmm. this is just part of their nature. And then my other, and then my my boy is, like, off in the trees, random, up, like, (laughs) and driven, like, always going up, 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 like hiking to get (laughs) to a harder place. You know what I mean? Like their little personalities just come out. But I think understanding their natures is just, it makes you compare them in a way that's honoring them. And as I've tried these out, it's just, I mean, it was like nothing. It was short, just short of magical. I feel like watching her go from holding it in to letting it out and And feeling like her voice was strong. I do feel like as reading the type two and as, because I feel like that resonates with me, I think as parents, some things that can be really helpful is 
what you just said, like letting them know that it's okay for them to have those emotions. And it's also like not their job to necessarily make sure everybody's okay and happy, even though that is a tendency. And recognizing that those things as strengths. Another thing that I think, again, as a type two, I think is really important as parents to recognize is because type twos do, they are feeling for how everybody else is feeling. I think it's important to also like help them recognize their own needs and and make sure that their voice is being heard because that is something that can like they sometimes are like they are sometimes overlooked and maybe because other people are a little bit louder their energy is louder so I think like when you're making decisions they might just say like yeah let's do whatever everybody else wants to do because that goes with their nature to like everybody else is happy with going to this restaurant or doing this thing so let's do it but also like taking some time to maybe like talk to them and maybe seek out their opinions because I think that's like a way that we can really honor that energy mm-hmm. type because yeah. they do have so many gifts and maybe like pulling you Yeah, and saying over and over, I mean, I see that again, going back to my daughter. She, I mean, literally when we're talking about something, it'll be one kid votes, you know, I want to go to eat Indian food and we're all voting and she'll even say, I'm not going to vote. Like, I don't, I don't want to, like, I'm just going to defer to what somebody mm-hmm. else wants. So every time I'll say... <laughs> You're not hurting anybody's feeling by getting your opinion. And even if you are hurting somebody's feelings, I want your opinion. I'm asking for your vote. Like, Mm -hmm. everybody gets a vote, so you don't have to feel bad that you're actually feeling like Japanese food. Right. And somebody else is feeling like Indian food. Like, it's okay to want something different and encouraging her over and over and over to, again, it doesn't mean, we all defer to other people's feelings sometimes. I mean, if you're a person who's like, I have to get my way no matter what, that's not what we're teaching here. It's just simply that my voice, I can honor my voice by expressing it and then also respect when we don't do what I want to do because that's life. Mm-hmm. But but I do, like, I think it's important to respect your own voice. Type 2s also have a tendency to have really soft voices. And so something that doesn't serve them is when you're always like, speak up, speak up. You're mm-hmm. murmuring. Like, I can't even hear you, especially if you're a type that's loud. It might annoy you that your type two is so soft-spoken. So instead of always saying, speak up, speak up, I can't hear you, lean in instead. Maybe yeah. bend over so you're on the same level of them. So when they talk to you, you can hear their voice, how it is, instead of always telling them that their voice is not strong enough, right? Mm-hmm. Over and over, like, I can't hear you, I can't hear you. So that's another just, I think, really important. And honestly, guys, that's magical with all children. Yeah. Anytime you can give them eye contact and get down on their level... But with a type three child, you're not going to need to do that as much because they're gonna you're gonna hear them from across the room, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's worth highlighting with the type two that they're kind of on their own clock a little bit. Yeah. They're on their own. Like I've noticed being a type three with my type two, he needs he wants to plan stuff a little more in advance, and they his stories are a lot slower. They take a lot longer to get to the point. He mumbles a little bit, um, and it's hard if you are a more forward-moving energy type to be patient and allow them to finish, um, or you know to take time to hear them. But I think you know I'll have to stop everyone at the dinner table because my Cohen, my type three, is like jumping in. Sunny's like bright, little loud energy. I'll have to stop and say, "Okay, everybody, stop. Now we're gonna let." Lennon had the stage mm-hmm. to tell his very long, very slow story. <laughs> very detailed story. Very detailed. Type so twos detailed. are so detailed. So detailed. We joke about with my type two, I mean, you'll say, how's your day? And she'll start with, so I woke up. Yeah. Yes. 
walk to the bathroom. I mean, that's like literally how how the story starts. And, and, and you're going to get a play-by-play of the whole day if you yeah. have time for it. And I love this because, again, I can totally relate to this. That is totally me. I love, like, I, like, love that. That is actually, like, part of, like, that's why I love Cameron is because he does listen to me tell those details. But, yeah, I feel like something that I do love is that sometimes people do, like, maybe they might ask for their opinion, but then, yeah, everybody's just going in about it. And so if the type 2 doesn't have that time to just, like, actually be able to think because it's not that they're slow they just need the time which yeah. I love that she she like re-emphasizes that a few times and even with like getting out the door she's like hurrying up mm-hmm. like if you're saying hurry up you're too slow like whatever that is actually not it's not helpful for a type 2 because usually they actually can get ready on time they just might be moving at a slower pace than what mm-hmm. you might be thinking they should so trust that they can and let them know and I think the main thing was letting them know okay, we're going to leave at this time. Here's some things that need to be done before that time. So then they know, and they are capable of doing it, but recognize that they might do it at a slower pace than maybe you, if you're a type 3, or any other type, <laughs> might be doing. Yeah, I think we can just teach them that their their steady, sure pace is a gift, and it really is. Totally. A type 2 baby is fantastic. Like, I, Lenny was... The most calming, like you were saying, I felt the most connection as a newborn to Lennon of any of my babies. And I think it is that energy type where they're emotionally connected, they're calm, they bring that um, kind of a presence to any room they come into and allow really allowing their emotions. They're not weak for having their emotions. Their emotions aren't unwanted. I think out of all of the types, um, they're the type to really let them release and cry everything before we try and move on to the solution mm-hmm. to a problem. So those are all things we can do to, you know, help honor their type. All right, let's move into type three. So type three are, their characteristics are determined. They're on to the next thing. They, they love to be moving into action. Uh, they're determined, adventurous. They're forceful. They're direct. Um, I love, too, that Carol says that they're, as they're talking and interacting, they're really only talking if they can get to the point. So, like, using the example of the dinner table, everyone telling a story, my, my type 2 is rambling on, and I can see my type 3. He's up on his knee, kind of, like, getting off his chair, like trying to tell the end of the story. <laughs> it's driving Get him to the crazy <laughs> that he's not getting to the point. So that's like that type three energy. They're, they're usually, so she gives example that like Michael Phelps and a lot of athletes are type three because they're so physical and they're go, 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 go. If you have a type three, three girl, she might be seen more as a tomboy because this energy is often accepted in society as more masculine. So that was me. I was a type three. I was always a tomboy. Growing up, I loved sports and riding bikes, and it's like that physical forward moving. As far as their facial feature features, so as a baby, they're the babies who you might say have a scowl, which is hilarious if you know Cohen, my oldest, because he had, he was the scowl master. Yes. It was the best scowl I've ever seen. <laughs> it's it's crazy. so cute. It's true. And They'll and have so intense, like so intense, very intense facial features, like facial yeah. features, facial expressions were like yeah. I've never seen it. You know, you rarely see it on babies, and I think yeah. that's why it's so striking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more angular features. Um, 
their skin is often more textured. And I actually, that is just like a random little side note, but I loved that she points out that if you're a type three, you might have more texture in your skin. You might be prone to acne or like bumps. And she's like that, you know, being a type three is a gift and to embrace that your skin is more textured and not just like the rosy cheek smooth of the type one. And I was like, oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Cause I've always had like more textured skin and I was like, oh my gosh, like, yes, embrace that, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, those are kind of the, f the physical features in a type three and their energy. So you can see pretty clearly what might be hard with a type three energy if you have a type three kid. So, you know, they're probably your sibling who's purposely bugging their other siblings or taunting them to get a reaction. They are loud, more loud. They argue. Um, they, their energy is so forward moving that when they're trying to communicate with you a need, they will often say, you have to do this or do this now, or, you know, I, I need you to do this right now. And that can feel as a parent really triggering. Like, I'm, excuse me, I don't have to do anything, but it's not really. You're not the boss of me. Uh, step down for a second. <laughs> um, but what is really cool and what I've learned, so because I'm a type three and Kona is a type three, our relationship has always been super solid and connecting because I'm very direct back. I'm not offended by it. I'm like, no, we're not doing that right now. And he's like, okay. With a type three, it's, they don't want the long run around. They want it straight how it is in that moment. And so if you can be direct back um, and match their energy in that way, it really works for them. They often, they can have trouble at school because they, they're not into the busy work and they, because they don't really see the end goal to mm -hmm. it. And so if you have a type three, be aware of that the worksheet type thing. So I'll give this example as an adult. Um, any sort of like training where you have to sit and listen to someone explain how to work like a computer program or go through like a slideshow. I, a combination of being a rebel, which I've learned from this book goes with type three and just my energy. It's like, I would rather just trip over this for the rest of my life trying to learn how to do Excel on my own then ever sit and listen to a long-winded presentation about Excel, like get to the end point. So that's that's kind of that type three energy, like move on to the next yeah. thing. Yep, very straightforward. And if you've ever seen Felicia work, it's impressive. If me and her are cooking in the same kitchen, it's gonna take me twice the amount of time. <laughs> like I feel like she's moving at like fast forward speed and she probably <laughs> thinks I'm moving like sloth speed, but we're both just moving our own speed, you know? Like it's There's just- no right. It's just a clocks. different yeah. kind of, it's impressive. Like I actually am just like, I don't, I don't understand this, but I love it. It's yeah. so amazing because it's just totally different. Like for her, it's like, how can we get this done? And for me, I'm like, should I make some tea while I wait for this to cook? You but know, I like, love, I love that in <laughs> like in a family. It's so, cause I love, that's why I love being around Terlin and Caitlin because they are more attention to the details and getting into the moment. So I think it's, embracing them yeah. all and we can accept powerful. all of yeah. the gifts of all the energies totally. and once you know it in a relationship it's really helpful so for example my husband is a type three first and then secondary type two and i'm type two first and i still remember we went to mexico as a family when we were first married 
And my nature when we walk, I'm a slower walker and I totally, especially with my secondary type one, I mean, my tendency is to meander <laughs> off the path. So like we'll be walking somewhere and I would just, without realizing it, like I'd be stopping looking at a flower or something. And sometimes he'd be like, Terlyn, like we're, we're going somewhere. Like what, what are you doing? Or it was, it would hurt his feelings if he had started talking, but I'm looking at the flower. <laughs> I'm so like into the flower, but he's talking. So we learned early on in our relationship. I was like, if you can get my attention and say, Terrilyn, I'm talking to you. And I look back at you and like give you some response. Then that means that I am now engaged with you. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do that, I'm actually not even going to hear you. Like I I couldn't even hear him. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just wandering around smelling flowers (laughs) and he's having a conversation with me and he's already 20 feet ahead. Like, do you see how that can hurt feelings? <laughs> so it was so good. And we, mm-hmm. I didn't know about this stuff at the time. But, I mean, at the time we had a conversation about, like, this is how I am. This is how you are. And since then we haven't had that same thing at all. He just makes sure if we're walking, he's holding my hand. So we stay together and I don't stop. Mm-hmm. And if we do stop, he's at least with me. He's, like, driving. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's also great because he knows when he's talking to me to, like, look at me. Right. Get my attention. And then I can give him all my attention. And it's improved our communication so much. And so I love it because I feel like he now, well, he always has honored me and who I am. And I love that so much about him. But I feel like he just cherishes me for who I am and just lets me lets me do my thing and knows how to work with my nature instead mm-hmm. of just being like, why don't you walk fast like me? You know? Yeah, yeah totally. And that that physical, uh, how, how type threes relate to the world is through physical. And that's not like, oh, they love hugs and kisses. It's really like a physical um, movement through life. So like when you're maybe disciplining your type three, directing them using, like they can be so into this next thing they're going to. Like with Cohen, it's like a hold you by your shoulders. We're now, we're now going to the car where some types that could be like, like get off. It's almost like too much. Like get off me. Like maybe type two, it's like, oh, like that's uncomfortable. And you're like, messing with my emotions but for a type three it's like sometimes they need that snap out of it physical like move them to a new path to help direct them Mm. that can be really helpful um also something what i think is a really important way to honor your type three and can be hard as a parent is to just if they ask you to do something sometimes to just drop what you're doing don't put them off and do it because type threes really respect if you can move into action they're your kids who gonna who is gonna move into action for you if you ask them to sweep they're the kid that's gonna be yes i'm gonna sweep and do it right then that's cohen and if you can be aware of how you can do that back if they want you to play legos try a few times to drop what you're doing and do it right then will really go a long way with them yeah I think, um, I'm not positive, but I think my baby might be a type three. And some of the things that I liked from this book that I felt like I was able to use and it had positive results was because, because their energy is so determined and forward moving. And obviously this can work for a lot of kids, but instead of like, cause sometimes because he is so forward and determined in whatever he's doing, like if he's doing something that I don't want him to do, instead of just like being like, hey, stop, don't do that, it it has really helped me. And what she talks about is like, instead of quashing that energy, like redirecting that forward movement into something that is more productive. Like if you can think about that in those terms, rather than like stopping the energy, just focus on turning that forward moving energy. And I think that I've noticed that like, if I can, 
Like, if there's something that he is, like, wanting to do, if I can just, like, change it into something more productive, he still has that forward-moving energy, and I feel like I'm honoring that in him without, like, me then going crazy because he's getting into something that Mm -hmm. he shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that's been something really helpful with redirecting the energy rather than quashing it. So it can be challenging also with our type 3, with this physical forward-moving energy they are very go, go, go. They're going to be your kid who's always out practicing their sports. They're on to the next thing. Um, And so the challenges there are going to be um, that they're not going to want to rest or stop. And so it is really important as parents that we emphasize that our body needs rest in order to accomplish and push more. Um, to really emphasize how important rest is for them because they will tend, my type three, Cohen will not want to sleep. He will keep himself awake by taping his eyelids open, I swear, for as long as he can. So trying to emphasize that. um, Also giving them an energy or an outlet for their energy. So if they are bugging their siblings, um, give them something to do. Type threes are fantastic at big jobs that they can see the end to like raking a yard or um you know picking up all the balls and shooting them into this one basket they're not as good at detail oriented tedious tasks um just remember that they're motivated by that end goal let them have that trial and error they really don't love waiting for instructions um for like small precise things. So those are some things that you can do to honor your type three, just being aware of that forward moving, pushing energy. Okay, the last type that we're gonna talk about today is a type four. Type four's energy, if we compare it to nature, is like a still lake, deep, and type fours are very calming to be around. They can also be bold which is sounds contradictory, but it's not. I mean, lakes are, or, or she also used the example of an iceberg, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. It can be Go bold, deep. but also very deep. Mm-hmm. Um, this energy is very particular. This is actually the energy that I have the least of. Mm-hmm. So when I learn about <laughs> it, I just admire it so much because it's, I don't understand it, <laughs> really. It's <laughs> so cool though. It's a really, really wonderful energy type. So these babies, um, they, again, sometimes people say they're an old soul. They're observant, still, reflective. They also thrive on schedule. So they're the babies who, where you get off schedule, things just go awry because they really thrive on order and um, they love, they love structure. So they like when you hold strong boundaries. Um, The adults that I know who are type fours, I have a friend who is Oh my gosh, like, again, like a poster child for type four. She literally, I mean, she has a black shirt that she likes, so she has seven of them. And she Mm -hmm. has a pair of jeans that she likes, how they fit, so she has seven of those. And it's her uniform. Like, she wears it every day. And it's so cool because she just embraces it. She embraces her order, and it's just so, so cool to watch. My, My oldest daughter, this is actually her secondary nature, but a lot of this comes out in in her things but being particular and they this is really helpful for me with type fours type fours really value authority Mm -hmm. so if they don't respect you they're not going to 
listen to you as an authority figure. Mm. And if they feel like you don't respect them because they really value their own authority. So if you're not respecting them and giving them authority over their own life, things go awry. I notice yeah. this with my daughter a lot. Like she really, like if she thinks something is true, even if it's not true, I mean, it can be a total just like made up thing. But to her, it's like, I am my own authority here. Like I'm going to stick with this. Like this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, they also really, because of that, and they care so much about respect. Um, this I've noticed with type four children and type four adults, correcting them in front of other people is like the worst for a type four. I mean, nobody likes being corrected in front of other people, mm-hmm. but like for me, it's like, okay, you know, I hear ya. Mm-hmm. But for a type four, it's like you're stabbing them in front right. of everybody else. It's like an ultimate disgrace. Right. Right. Like, why would you say that? Why would you correct me or or talk about my potty training stuff in front of other people? Mm-hmm. I mean, Carol Tuttle, when she says, like, when you're potty training a type four, literally, like, don't talk about it in front mm-hmm. of a group. Mm-hmm. Because to them, it's, like, shameful. Like, why would you talk about my accident in front of other people? Right. You know? Right. And I'd, because, because I don't relate with this, it's hard for me to understand. But I have seen in adults... I mean, it's incredible how it's so, so, so strong for them, that, like, desire for them to not be corrected or criticized in front of other people. And just knowing that, it's so great. Because, again, it doesn't mean you don't give – you might have to have a conversation with a type 4 about something, but just do it in private. Totally. And and this lends to their more perfecting nature. So they like to do things over and over again. So um, oftentimes because type 4s are low energy – they, it, they're not um, as successful in sports. They can be less physical, and so that's less accepted for um, boys. It's not as masculine. But if you can honor that, so you can find activities that are perfecting. So golf, tennis, where it's like you're doing the same motions over and over again. As a type three, those are the sports that drive me insane because I'm like, oh, I need to move on to the next thing. Like the perfecting is really hard, but that is their gift that they are more, um, they like to do things over and over again. They love a schedule. They're very observant and they can really go deep on certain things. Um, But to that, they do get more embarrassed or they might be your kid who's saying, that is so stupid if they're not doing something right. Mm-hmm. And so, but it's that balance. So if you can honor that, give them the time to be able to, you know, go deep in intricate things. Like they're often really into Legos or like model sets. They're more, they're, they're just more precise, which is mm-hmm. really a gift. Mm-hmm. And that perfecting nature, again, like when we're using terms that honor versus terms that don't honor them, Using the word, you have the you have the ability to see things and want to perfect them. That's a gift. If you just keep telling them, stop being critical. You're being right. critical. Right. Then that's not honoring, right? But you can teach you can teach them that this is a gift. With that gift, though, you might see somebody, and all you can notice is that their eyebrows are. <laughs> you need to pluck them or whatever. Right. So just noticing that about yourself, like yes, that is my gift. I can notice, but there's other things about this person mm-hmm. that I'm going to really pay attention to. So, it isn't about forcing as a type four it's not about forcing yourself to be like oh i'm so bugged and i'm noticing all these details you can say yes this is actually a strength and of course in this situation i'm going to choose to overlook their overgrown eyebrows right and just love them right <laughs> but you're just noticing it and then letting it pass through 
Um, these kids, I have a nephew who has a really strong type four. And even as a two-year-old, I mean, he would line up his cars mm -hmm. perfectly. And if somebody came and moved them, I mean, it was as though the world was over, right? And right. he was, even as a little boy, like really serious. Yeah. And I think it's just so sweet to see because as they grow, I mean, that's such a gift. I mean, I wish I could line up my cars in a row. Right. Nothing <laughs> nothing in a row. <laughs> So it's just really, mm -hmm. I mean, it's truly a gift. And that, that energy, that strength, that ability to see detail and to perfect the world. I mean, the cool thing about all these energy types, the world would not, it would be missing something if it was missing any of these types. No type is better than the other ones. Right. And thank heavens for type fours who can do everything that I cannot. <laughs> you right. know? Totally. I think um, if, if we can notice with our type four especially that they might feel a little lost in the kid world because the kid world is not perfecting and concentrating and going deep into stuff. And I think often that they, they aren't honored as much as kids or maybe they have a harder time making friends or maybe they feel a little bit unsure about new activities because they haven't perfected it. And if, if we can be aware of that, um, I think just that, simple awareness of how they might feel a little bit lost will help them come into their energy and use it to interact with other people instead of um, having it push them to the outskirts of mm -hmm. any situation. Because I, I do know type four kids who they didn't feel necessarily like they fit into the kid world and then they do kind of get stuck on the outskirts mm -hmm. of, yeah. of playtime. And I think that also changes our lens of, and this goes with adults too, and we've talked about this, where I think we think because of social media and because of just our perception of the world, we think everybody has 100 close friends. Right. However, especially for somebody who's a type 4, they might look at somebody who's a type 1 who has 20, they, who seems like they're just really great friends. They're really social. They just seem like they're friends with everybody. A type 4 might look at that and be like, there's something wrong with me. Like, why don't I have 20 friends who I'm laughing with all the time. Right. However, the gift of a type four and helping them to understand this, I think is beautiful, that the ability, it isn't like there's any less ability to connect here. It's simply that their connections can go really deep. So they might have less, but they might have a, one really good friend. And there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong at all. Having 20 of more like you're kind of flitting around like a butterfly or you're sitting down deep and connecting with somebody. And so I think kind of reframing that what matters is that we are whole and fulfilled and connected and that can happen, that can look in a lot of different ways. Totally. So I think not forcing our child, in fact, a really good example that Kara Tolle uses in her book is um, it was a mother of a type four child who before she knew about these types would always push him to like in a play group, like you gotta go mm -hmm. play with all these kids. Mm -hmm. Like you gotta mm -hmm. do it, you gotta push them. And then when she realized that's not his nature, let him at his own pace connect how he will. And then he started, yeah, he started playing with the one friend and it went deep, you know? Mm -hmm. So so I think just reframing that, that however they are doing it is the right way. Trusting them. I love it because at the end of every chapter, she says messages to give your type one or type two or type three or type four. And it's all about just saying, these are things about you that are gifts to the world mm -hmm. and how you are is what the world needs. Mm -hmm. 
And so take that that and like take it and make the world a better place with what you've been given. And I think it's really beautiful. And I, I don't know, I, I admire type force so much. I think that they have a really cool ability to see things that the rest of us can't see. And it's really beautiful. Well, this book definitely helped me find some magic in parenting, not only in parenting, but in seeing myself a little bit more clearly. And also, like I said at the beginning, seeing my close people more in their true nature. So thanks for joining us. We hope this helps all of you identify your children and find a little more magic in embracing their energy. And can I just add, I... If you want to read this book, it's so great. We'll put a link. But I just want to add that sometimes when it comes to reframing things like social things and sharing specifically, type fours, we think as parents sometimes we need to force sharing. But to a type four who really values their own things and they take care of their things and they put their things in order, forcing them to say you have to let other people play with your stuff Mm -hmm. is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So what a lot of parents have found successful with type 4 children is they have their special place for their special toys and nobody touches them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you might have other things that everybody plays with and that's fine. But to give them that space to keep their things nice and value those things is honoring to them Mm -hmm. instead of saying, no, you must share even your your cars that you lined up, you have to share all of them. Right. Just give them the space to, because as adults, we get to do that. We get to have items that we love and we take care of and nobody plays with. Yeah, totally. I love that. I think it's good for all kids to have that option, but for type fours, it's especially helpful. So I just want to add that. That might be a good concrete tip. Yeah, definitely important note, because I think a lot of kids go through that. Um, But I do notice in my kids, you know, I think one has a secondary type four a little more strong and it's like almost like offensive to him that he would share his like special drawer of things but mm-hmm. the rest are like i don't even care i don't even know where it is mm-hmm. you know <laughs> so yeah that's a good note all right guys thanks for joining us let's find the magic <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> brown cows <laughs> <laughs>